in a strange way, it's also a trap. You get complacent. You're not challenging yourself to grow. You're not following any sort of personal development. You'll blink and 30 years have passed. For me, I said, you know, what, what else is there? I'm not learning anything new. I'm not progressing. Maybe the opportunities that I'd like aren't coming. What yeah. can I do to break that? Welcome to Heart Inspired, the show dedicated to highlighting individuals in their pursuit of authentic leadership. We peel back the layers to uncover the roadblocks we all face, explore the actions we can take, and how to persevere toward the best version of ourselves. I'm your host, Michelle Delgado. In this series, my guests will share how they pushed through the pandemic and other challenges to turn their vision into a reality. Their stories will inspire you to leave self-doubt behind to focus on your goals. From an early age, Joe was fascinated with anything to do with aeronautics. He attended Embry-Riddle Aeronautics University in Daytona Beach, Florida. From there, Joe worked his way up the ranks in several aerospace companies, as well as working closely with the FAA and other authorities. The 17 years experience under his belt, including securing a leadership position, Joe decided to make a career pivot to his dream role in the space industry. Joe joins me today to share his story on how he made this dream into reality. Joe, it's so nice to have you here with me today. You know, it's been a while since we've spoken, and I'm excited to hear how things are going in your in your new venture here, your new career journey. Tell me a little bit about let's let's give the audience a little bit about what your journey is like when you started out in this fascination with aeronautics. So I think in a nutshell, I was interested in sort of aviation aerospace, and it kind of drove my choices. And you know, for the last 17 years prior to this position, I was in the aviation simulation world. And you know that uh, that definitely has its perks. It has its benefits. It's really interesting work. But I feel I think that my my true passion was always space. I just uh, you know I think there's this this misconception that people have that. You have to be like a PhD with having written papers and expert to work in the space field. And of course, well, they would prefer that. No, no, it's just uh, you have to you have to have the specific set of skills and the passion and the dedication. And, uh, you know, I got very lucky. And I think with your help, uh, I was able to, to, to score, you know, a, a very fantastic role here at, at, you know, my current employer now. You know, it's very uh, innovative. It's it's there's a lot of new things to learn. There's a lot of new lingo. And uh, just trying to keep up with it all has been just a, a challenge. But you know, I can see thing. I can see a company building towards literal bigger and better things, right? With a with a literal rocket that's larger than a lot of things that are available now, with with technologies that are latest and greatest. So it's you know, it's really exciting for me. That's awesome. And so when we met, we were working together, and you were going through the the process of interviewing, and they asked you to do a lot of different you know, uh, write-ups and things like that. You shared a story about your dad. And do you mind telling us a little bit more about that? Because I think that 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 really touched, it pulled on my heartstrings, I know for sure. And so your relationship with your dad and and space and all of that, what was that like? So growing up, it's interesting because my dad at one point in his life owned a used bookstore. Okay. And, and funny enough, it was a used bookstore slash occult supplies. And so he sold things like candles and incenses and oils on top of all the books. A lot of the books were, you know, voodoo and Santeria, but he also had a lot of used books, just like uh, sci-fi novels and romance novels, things like that. So anyway, by the time uh, I was born, I guess he'd whittled a lot of that down. It was a very small shop by then, 
but he had a lot of sci-fi and he was probably averaging a novel every couple nights. That's how much he read. And it, and it sparked that in me. And so probably about from the age of, I don't know, six or seven, I was already reading novels. I probably should have been reading, um, <laughs> you know, for instance, I'll never forget. Uh, it, this does tie in where, you know, uh, I had a teacher, I, I can't remember what grade it was, but uh, you know, I do my little book report and it was on a Michael Crichton novel. I think it was sphere. I don't know if you know Michael Crichton at all. It's yes. kind of a heavy duty novel. <laughs> and the very next uh, presenter was a girl in my class, and she did a little golden book. <laughs> and so my teacher kind of kind of reamed her on that one and said, Hey, look, you know, your 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 co-student here just did Michael Crichton. You could do a little bit better than the little golden book. So but anyway, um you setting know, for, the bar high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so no, it actually worked out back then because a lot of my friends got into it. We all became hilariously Michael Crichton fans. I don't know why he stuck, but everything was Michael Crichton. And then we sort of branched into like uh, Lord of the Rings and you know Tolkien and and a lot of other novels. But for some reason, Michael Crichton really just kind of hit that hit that spot for us, you know. But uh, but no, my, my dad really encouraged this, encouraged the reading, and of course, sci-fi. I mean, 90% of it takes place off planet, I'd say. So, I mean, it was always this assumption that, of course, there's space travel. Of course, there's journey to other destinations. Of course, all this exists. And so, you know, I, I never I never thought about it growing up. I was like, you know, I thought that was normal for everybody to have that sort of fascination mm. with this. It's like, for me, it was like, wow, why, why aren't you interested in this idea of life on other planets and traveling off world and, and going to these far off destinations? And so, you know, for, for me, that was just a way of life. And certainly uh, I started playing video games mostly PC gaming. And a lot of it was like, say, strategy and, and, and you know, just sci-fi theme type games and things. And, you know, it all kind of fed together. And I'd say a lot of people probably had the same experience. But, uh, you know, I think with my dad, I think he did have a vision. And that vision was, that, hey, you know, it's, it's on us as the human race to start, to start spreading, to get out of here. We have all our eggs in one basket here. I think he really kind of, he really kind of encouraged it. He kind of pushed me. And so, I got into aviation simulation almost by accident and it was, you know, it was good. It, you know, it was very, very uh, interesting stuff and it certainly paid the bills and I did really well at it, but you know, I, I won't say he was disappointed. That's not the right word. Of course he was very proud, but I think when this role came up and I went through this process with you, we were going to negotiations and we we're going through the interviews and I kept my dad on uh, abreast of all this. He was really, really enthused about it. I mean, he was really excited about it. Unfortunately, uh, you know, I, I, I think, as I told you, I lost my dad not too long ago, back in, in May here. But I'm Almost very fortunate. Almost around the same time that you accepted this position. Right? Yeah. And so yeah. he knew that. He knew I yeah. accepted it. He knew it was in the works. So I'm, I'm very grateful that he got to see and experience all that before he passed. So that, that for me, was, a, was, it was considered a win. Because I know for him, it was, uh, you know, that was a big thing for him to kind of see you know, living vicariously through me in this, in this space realm, this idea about this, turning this dream into reality about, uh, cause I, I don't, I don't, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and say what employer it is. It's blue origin and they have a vision and it's a very good one. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's about millions of people living and working in space for the betterment of humanity. And so yeah. I think it's a very noble dream. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think my dad, you know, certainly appreciated that. And, uh, I told him a lot about that and, uh, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was definitely something that, you know, I think it was a, a peak for him at the end of his life there. So yeah, that on top of having his grandson. So I'm glad he, unfortunately he didn't get to meet his grandson, but at least we showed him pictures and video and all that before uh, things got real bad for him. Yeah. Thank goodness for um, FaceTime and Zoom and all these, yeah. all this technology that helps connect the dots. But um, yeah, when you wrote that story, your bio, when they asked you, you know, why do you want this job? And you wrote that story about your father 
mm-hmm. and and you're you know you're growing up in that connection with aerospace and then you got this job it it solidified of course you need to get this job you know and i think <laughs> yeah. that that's what got them too is of course you need to be working here so that's a that's a great story and so you're you're in this new role a dream job and you know i'm sure your father's beating um with joy from from wherever he is looking down at you so awesome so now that you're in this role um let's let's take it back a little bit um I would say, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that you know, the your time at your previous employee employment had run its course, mm-hmm. and you were probably a statistic of the great resignation. You know, a lot of yeah. people are jumping off and, and going to find something that suits better needs. So um, what did that mean for you to, you know? when you started looking and seeing that this was just not it for you, what was going through your mind as far as quality of life, you know, anything like that? So I think like most people, I think uh, it, it, a lot of it for me boiled down to complacency, right? You're, you're in the role, you're very well respected. People know your capabilities. Um, you know, certainly there's work to be done. I was very good at it. And I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's in a weird, in a strange way, it's also a trap, right? You get complacent. You're not challenging yourself to grow. You're not, you're not following any sort of personal development. And, you know, I, I, I've heard people talk about that where it's like, you'll blink and 30 years have passed, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe, maybe you're trying to retire from that job or something. And that's all well and good. And I think for a lot of people, that's maybe the right answer. But for me, I said, you know, a couple of things happened. The situation with, with, uh, you know, my dad, I think, uh, the birth of my, my, my son, I think that, uh, you know, just a a number of things just all sort of swirled together and sort of made me say, you know what, what what else is there? You know, this is all well and good. It's, It's not necessarily bad. But I just don't see, I don't, I'm not learning anything new. I'm not progressing. Um, and as a result, the, maybe the opportunities that I'd like aren't coming, you know, it's, it's real static. What yeah. can I do to break that? And, you yeah. know, at first I explored the idea, what if I get certifications and degrees? I think I, we, you and I talk a lot about like, say the PMP and I did right. that. I, I don't think it was very well appreciated this employer. I don't think they had a frame of reference for it and, and that's okay. It's not, it's outside of what they normally deal with. But, you know, for, for me, for instance, getting the PMP, that's, that's an accomplishment. It, it's not something you can get in a weekend. That's, you, you got to put some study and you got to put some time in. Is it, is it as tough as some other degrees and certifications? No, but it's, you know, it's still a, it's still a sort of a, a high bar to set. And I, I just kind of realized like, Hey, you know, I put all this work in and it was just resounding silence. You know, my, my direct uh, boss just, uh, you know, he, he didn't, I don't think he really know what to make of it. He, I don't yeah. think I could, I, I don't think he'd even heard of it. He didn't know what it was, how it could be used. Mm. There was just no relevance there. And so it just got me thinking, I was like, wow, you know, it's, it was very important to me, <laughs> but you know, it really had no bearing in this position at this right. company. You and didn't so, see that that was going to give you growth or yeah. anything more. Yeah, yeah, I get yeah it. it's a, that, that's it. And so it just kind of kept, it was like a, it was a thread that just kept unwinding. Right. And for me, yeah. I said, well, all right, well, is there a place that it is valued and not, not just for itself, but just in general, like this idea, Hey, I want to start pushing myself to be better and to grow and to learn. And I, I, I had a lot of opportunities to do that. And sometimes I took advantage of it and sometimes I didn't. And, uh, you know, I was like, well, th- you know, that's all well and good. And I, I think that's reasonable in life, but I was like, I think I'm at the point where, 
I need to be more humble. I need to kind of start over, have a beginner mindset and sort of see where that takes me elsewhere. Yeah. And so that's kind of what, what, what sparked this was that this idea of like, okay, what else could be out there? And that's what started maybe sort of the job hunt. And, uh, you know, there's certainly politics, there's certainly specific issues. I won't go into all that, but, uh, you know, I'm still a lot of stuff kind of drove me to that. And I think I wasn't alone in that. I think the great resignation, I think a lot of people felt the same. I think COVID gave everybody a break to reevaluate their lives and say, can we do better? And I think salary is a big part of that. Of course. I think most people are saying, how can I make more money? But the way I look at it is, well, you'll make more money when you bring more value. And the way that you bring more value is by learning these skills, you know, advancing yourself, um, expressing yourself better. These are the ways that you bring more value and then earn more money. Yeah. Um, I think probably a lot of people probably just did look at the great resignation as a quick and easy way to get more money. And I, Hey, I, I get it. But I'm also like, I think if they really had a really philosophical, uh, just just uh, uh, analysis of themselves, like the self-awareness, they would say, oh, you know what it is? We've all been complacent. COVID was a wake-up call to come out of complacency. Yeah. You know? In so many ways, in so many different conversations bubbled up to the top from that, you yeah. know? Uh, lots of people shifted and pivoted. So um, you mentioned early on, you are, um, you were a leader in your past role and you had direct reports um, while you were going through this, you know, challenge that in your own career, how did you balance that so that they were still well taken care of? Because in our conversations, I know I could just tell you were a really good leader. You had a lot of compassion and empathy. How did you challenge that? Well, I should say balance that. <laughs> balance it. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, so, so. <sighs> This is a complex issue because, you know, there's different leadership styles. And I think during my time at that employer, I'd been in several different environments and I really excelled in, and I call it a tribal environment, right? It was a, it was an earlier, earlier position at at a different location and it was very small. The team was, we're all very tight, close knit. We did a lot of events outside of work. You know, we became very, very close and tight. So I think that relationship really helped. We all knew each other's skills and strengths very, very well. The transition to the next location, which is where I spent uh, what a little over three years before I got this role, that one was trickier because there's a lot more direct reports and they were spread out over a lot more physical of an area. Um, you know, I, I, I think you realize at some point there's limits to what you can do in life. Uh, kind of looking back, I, I wish I'd found a way to sort of do more one-on-ones Mm-hmm. Um, but as it was, I tried where I could to kind of uh, make the appearances to show people I cared. What I'll give you a perfect example. One of the things I like to do is, um, you know, in that particular role, we had things called shift logs. And if I saw that a particular direct report did a great job in their shift log, I would screenshot it and I would send it out to the team and say, great job. Kudos to this person for doing this. Right. Mm-hmm. It was above and beyond whatever the case may be. It was a clever solution, whatever. Just recognize them. And I think that was greatly appreciated. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, but, but, you know, certainly, uh, that position, unfortunately, like many others during the great resignation was that it really, I really became overwhelmed. I think a lot of people were overwhelmed. And so it became harder and harder to do that sort of thing. Yeah. Literally the fires just kind of overtook me and it's a fire every day without fail back to back. You never get out of this mode of just like, let me take a step back. We need to think ahead as opposed to just dealing with whatever the latest fire is. 
So kind of get back to your question, you know, um, you know, the balance part of it, that was, that became tough. That was a, that was another reason maybe for, for exploring another position is that I, I think the, the casualty side of the great resignation is quality people are leaving to maybe somewhere that values them more, meaning the people left are having to take up the yeah. extra slack, right? You hear about that a lot. And so yeah. certainly we were a victim of that. And I think our, our company was maybe a little slow in responding to that. It's, it's, it's understandable. It's not something that happens frequently in the business world, but uh, you know, and, and in our specific space there, we had competitors that, that traditionally don't hire very often and all of a sudden they were hiring. Yeah. So that made it very, very, very tough to compete, you know, much, much larger organizations with much deeper pockets, trying to retain top talent. It just became, it became very difficult. And yeah. so, yeah. you know, it, it all ties in with this idea of balance about trying to be empathetic towards your, your personnel, but also trying not to, you know, trying not to let, I don't know of a tactful way to say it, but trying not to let people maybe run, run ramrod over things, you know, like, yeah. you know, it's like, for me, that was a big challenge is like, certainly want to support everybody and what they want, but it's not always practical or feasible from a company standpoint. Right. So that was tough having to say no a lot of times. And I wish I could say yes, but having to be that bad guy. Yeah. So yeah. And so you must've had to show up with poker face because, you know, to not show that you were unhappy or that it right. was, you were trying to reinvent and do something for the better for you. Right. Um, so that's right. tough. So in the role you're in today, you do not have direct reports or you are a leader in a different capacity. Tell so, us about that. You know, so the, the, I, I feel like the position is still developing. Um, so I was hired specifically as an individual contributor. Okay. And so I have my specific role that I fulfill, but I'm finding as time goes on, the, the leadership element is, it, it comes out a bit, right? It's, okay. um, you know, certainly uh, there's personnel that have been there longer and there's, you know, uh, uh, higher titles and things. But what I like about this employer is there's a lot of just allowance for differing fields of view and can we do it better or some thoughts. And for instance, a, a, a big selling point when I landed the role was my experience in the aviation simulation world, right? I've, I've seen it from a lot of different angles I know a lot of what, say, authorities are looking for versus instructors, versus students, versus maintenance, you know, just all these different roles and what they're expecting to be done in, you know, a, a, a simulator, a specific control panel that interacts with the simulator, with the hardware within the simulator. You know, there, there's just so much that goes into it. And I find that I actually have a talent for expressing that. And so it is odd, even though I'm an individual contributor, sometimes I feel like I'm edging into maybe also being a leader. Now, it's not formalized or anything like that, but, um, you know, I feel like that comes out sometimes. Is that saying, hey, look, listen, I've, I've seen it done this way. I think this makes the most sense. What do you guys think? And people say, oh, really? Oh, okay. And then that's kind of becomes the new path forward. What does success look like for you in this role through the end of the year? And did you have that conversation with them, with your direct report? Yes. And I, I can't get into specifics, but I have a, a very, very large task. The dilemma I face as an individual contributor is that this, this specific task is a, is a very integral part of a lot of the operations that touch different disciplines. Okay. And I'm not necessarily the one performing the work in this task, right? And I'm having to interact with a lot of teams in a strange way. I'm almost buying in or getting buy-in for my idea about how this task should be accomplished, if that makes sense. So that's so, wearing your program, you're wearing your PMP hat. Yeah, 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 in a lot of ways. <laughs> it's PMP, it's I'd also almost say it's um it's a product owner, 
in a yeah, lot of ways. Okay. Yeah. And so I'm like, hey guys, you know, here's this big task. Unfortunately, maybe we're not where, where we'd like to be. Here's my idea, my thoughts about how we can get there. And here's a very discreet plan laid out. And I just, you know, is is can you guys, you know, which which people can help me where? And then, you know, maybe I think it's this department because here's reasons. And, you know, they usually get sort of initial resistance. You say, well, the goal isn't necessarily just to add work, just to add work. But, you know, listen here, this is for a greater cause. This is to assist several other departments that maybe don't have that expertise. And so when you start framing it, now people start understanding, oh, okay, it does mean more work for their team. It does mean more for their department. Of course, it's it's the same thing everywhere. No one ever has enough people. They never have enough support. But, okay, they understand the severity, right? If we don't do it, these other departments and things don't have what they need. And the whole organization's not maybe on track where they could be. So it sounds like you um, are very in tune with the end goal of what the company wants. And you're bringing along your experience in communicating with these others so that they're all on the same page with what the end goal is. Is that a fair assessment? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, uh, you know, they, they, one of the things that came up during the interviews and have sort of come out since I've been there, you know, very interested in my experience in the aviation simulation world, specifically, what does it take to train crews? Well, what does an instructor need? What do crews, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. It's strange to think a rocket, and I don't want to get too, 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 too many details here, but you know, there's, there's an element of that. There's a big (laughs) element of that. Yeah. And uh, it's just interesting. It's, uh, you know, it's it's me going, hey, wait a minute. I know this stuff inside and out, right? For me, and, and it's funny how often that I forget I'm not talking to people that have been in the aviation simulation world. So I realize they don't always have the reference that I do. So I have to walk three steps back and carefully explain it and, and sort of get, you know. So and that's so, interesting. Yeah. Well, let's yeah. stop for a second. So. Okay. Your colleagues who you're speaking to don't have the same background experience, so you're definitely bringing something to the table that you're educating them on. And yet, mm-hmm. what what is it that you you know without giving too much away? So, what is the background experience of your colleagues that you're learning? So, quite a few of them have come from other space industry employers, oh, okay. right? Okay. So, so, so many have come from like, say ULA or SpaceX or, uh, you know, NASA or, you know, a lot of these related fields. Okay. Um, some though have come from other, other, uh, areas. Like I know at least one guy that sort of came from oil and gas. Okay. Now he did ultimately have some space experience, but it was interesting. A lot of what he, he knew was oil and gas. So, I mean, it's blue seems very good about having people from a diverse group of backgrounds to bring these, these, you know, other viewpoints in, like, how can we do things better? And I think, I think there was some serious thought into, well, who would know what we're trying to get to very well. I know a guy that's already in sort of aviation simulation, because you got to figure, you know, the rockets, they don't, you know, it's, it's very different from a spacecraft, but in a lot of ways it's not. So mm-hmm. it, it gets kind of interesting there. That's interesting. So are you enjoying your journey there now? You've been there how many months? Yeah, yeah. No, so it's pushing two months. Uh, I got to say, they, they said it right from the beginning. They said it's like drinking from a fire hose, right, For in terms of information, <laughs> right? It's, it is. And, uh, you know, and, and I, I've come a long ways, but I can see it's like peeling back layers of an onion, right? You really start digging in. You really understand the complexity here. You really understand why there's so many different departments doing so many different things. You understand the different disciplines and how they interact. But I think the, the, the biggest challenge for me is I don't want to wait until I have total mastery. 
who knows when I could be like another four months. If I, if I read and study and get total mastery of it all, I'm like, well, all right, let me kind of shelve that. I'll do it where I can, but I know that I can bring a lot of value very quickly with sort of my vision of where we should go with something and just see if I can get buy-in. And amazingly enough, I have, I've, I've sort That's of I've gone to this process. I've gotten buy-in from directors and senior managers and uh, you know, that was, that's a new, that's a new experience for me. I can almost liken to like being a salesman, right? <laughs> you kind of have to sell your idea. Here's why I think this makes sense, you know? Yeah. And yeah. it's not maybe super granular. It's not a hundred percent laid out. It's not, you know, down to the nitty gritty, but the idea is there. And I think that in the real world, when you're working on a tight deadline, perfection sounds great, but you can't really attain it. Right. And so I think there's a level of, okay, what's, what's, what can we accept? That's not perfection. What are some of your own personal goals with landing this job? What, you know, work-life balance, quality of life, um, your own advancement in the role. What does that look like for you? You know, it's a, it's, it's sort of the same. I think it's a personal growth and development, you know, continuing, uh, 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 one of the things I like about this employer is they do have a tuition reimbursement program. And so I'm going to explore that. So sort of, sort of branching out in that, um, certainly learning this industry, because certainly I know a lot about aviation and a, a fair portion of it applies, but there is so much that doesn't. And so I'm having to learn all this. And so I'm the type of person to say, Hey, I want to achieve mastery. It may take a while, but I'm going to keep reading. I'm going to keep understanding. So I have a goal to at least be very well versed with all the different subsets of all the different systems, I at least have a passing idea of what they do and why they're important and sort of what goes on into it. It's also this freedom to be able to sort of express yourself and this freedom to sort of, hey, here's a plan. What do you guys think? And it's not sort of knee-jerk no. Remember when we talked about it before, you had mentioned to me that you had taken um, a behavioral assessment and yeah. you found out you're a venturer, right? Yeah. Yeah. So knowing that information now, do you kind of think about when you're speaking to somebody, how are they wired to communicate? What is, what's, how do you deliver that message to them or that information to them? How will they behave? Does that ever come up for you? Like, are they similar to me or are they more like something else? Yeah, I'd say there's a little bit of a loop that's starting to run where I'm going, yeah. okay, you know, it's does this person, do they need a lot of explanation? Do they need a lot of background information? Do they need a lot of reference? Or do they understand it right out of the box? I'm trying to say, uh, do they need to be super technical from a very granular level? Can they be super high level? So yeah, I think sometimes I do frame it in my head about, okay, who am I speaking with? What level do we need to talk at? And it's funny you say that about the venturer, because if you look up the venturer, it's talking all about pushing through boundaries. Yeah. And I feel like I do that. I feel like that's actually my forte. And a perfect example is this communication across boundaries, across this position, right? Yeah. Talking to many different people from many different departments for the shared unified goal. And to me, that's pushing through boundaries. Yeah. Um, I'm coming to find out that certain critical stakeholders have never talked to other critical stakeholders that probably they should have, and maybe they just didn't know. And so I'm helping to facilitate that. And wow. to me, that was pushing through a boundary. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it's it's not perfect, but uh, you know, it's 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 important. And uh, you know, I definitely see it as as like, hey, look, guys, you know, unless we can come up with something better, let's maybe roll with this and see where it takes us. Yeah. And that's pushing through a boundary. There's yeah. no, there's not necessarily always a right or wrong way. Right. I wanted to ask you. Let's go back to when you 
first started feeling that it was time for a change and you and I met, you had specific goals as to, you know, what you wanted to do, um, your time frame and everything else. So for our listeners, share your experience and what advice can you give to somebody who may be looking at doing that career change? You know, what were some of the signs that you knew it was time? I think you mentioned that already, but just really quickly, what did that look like and what was your process? So I think that one of the signs for myself was frustration. Yeah. Right. If, if you just, you know, it, it, that's okay. So that's very complex, but you know, generally if you're in a position, you're in a role at company and you're just finding yourself more and more frustrated, you only have a couple options, right? You can either do some self-analysis um, you know, oftentimes frustrations, it's, it's, you know, you can accept them. Maybe you can change them. Maybe it's a fault you can try to rectify, but not always. A lot of, mm-hmm. sometimes these frustrations could be external. And so that's kind of where you have to decide. And, uh, you know, certainly the grass isn't always greener. I, I, I know that. Um, I think, you know, probably there was a lot of regret on, in the great resignation, I think for people that jumped ship and then wanted to come right back. But I think that you, you sort of know your time's up when you're sort of doing the same thing. You're very frustrated. You're not really able to implement change. And, uh, you know, you've, you've not, not that you have to necessarily be passionate about what you do, but you sort of start, I don't know, almost dreading it yeah. in a sense, you know? Yeah. And that was kind of it for me is that I said, you know, I, I, I'm not learning a whole lot here. I'm not developing. I don't know what kind of future will be here if I continue. And I don't feel like things I, I raise are well-received. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'd like to fix things. That's, that's what I think I am at heart as a fixer. I'd like to resolve things. I'd like to, things make, I'd like to make things better for everybody. Yeah. And, you know, there's resistance. And sometimes it's good. It, it's resistance makes sense. Things cost money or, or it takes away from a bigger man or whatever. But a lot of times it's, that's what I said before. You just get a no or even worse is resounding silence. The yeah. Email to nowhere. The black hole, I called it. You send an email to a black hole. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, that was a sign. It's like, well, okay. I mean, I could continue doing this. Certainly it's, it's you know, it's it's not like, uh, you know, my position was ever in jeopardy or anything like that. But, you know, like, what could it be different? You know, is there a different set of skills? And, you know, it's funny going through the PMP process of, of going to the survey. It kind of awakened me a little. Kind of. Yeah kind of gave me a zest again. It sort of yeah. made me start questioning things and, and be more active. And, you know, I even put together agile meetings at my last employer and, and we started talking about sprints and, and, you know, going applying it, but it was very exciting. It's like, Oh, let's see where this goes. What sprints. So the- sprints are in agile terms. So agile is a methodology okay. and sort of it's, it's mostly geared towards software development, but it, okay. you can apply it to a lot of different things. And really kind of in a nutshell, it's like saying, hey, if we want to build something, we want to get to something, there's different ways of doing it. And the way that Agile advocates is let's be Agile. Let's, you know, maybe mm-hmm. build a little bit of it and see, is that is that the right way to go? Maybe build mm-hmm. a little bit more. Oh, oh, no, no, it's not right. Let's let's revamp it to go this way, right? Kind of adjust it on the fly, right? And get something out the door very quickly as opposed to getting to something perfect. The opposite in a sense, is something called predictive. And that's sort of your traditional construction job, right? You're going to go build a skyscraper. You don't want to just start with like a little bit of it, right? You actually have the entire thing planned out from the get-go. You know pretty much all the materials you're going to need, all the time, everything's done ahead of time. Maybe it took years, 
to even start, that's predictive, right? Okay. But that works. But I mean, in, in the in the sense of a skyscraper, that makes sense, right? Yeah. You can't just start and then wing it. Software is a different entity entirely. And so that's why I said it's mostly geared towards software. But there's other projects it supplies to, right? And and you know, product development, right? Yeah. Is a great one, especially something very, very, very complex. So and you so, started to do that in, in your organization where yeah. you were before. Exactly. Okay. And and part of agile, and it's not just agile, but it's a big part of it, is like say, okay, how do we how do we understand the work that needs to be done? You 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 raise you have different names for it, but you can call these things issues, and the collection of these issues is called a backlog, right? Saying this is at least right now all the work we know we need to accomplish. But here's the thing: you can't do all of it all at once, right? So you have to you have to prioritize. And so you prioritize and say, all right, well, now we attach a time frame to it. So, so let's say we have these 10 issues out of a thousand that are very, very, very important. That becomes a sprint. And so we mm-hmm. know those 10 issues we want to aim to have done in a month, right? Yep. And they usually have like rough, roughly set time frame. So a sprint is a collection of issues you want to at least make progress or resolve in, in like say some set time frame, like a month. Okay. And so the idea is sprint by sprint by sprint, you're accomplishing the bigger goal. And it also means you can add issues, you can subtract issues, you can mm-hmm. you can revamp issues. You know, like the idea is that it's this flexible entity that's open to change. So you decided to look, and when you were looking, there um, you had some challenges with finding uh, people to notice and recognize, and you and I connected, and change started to happen, and so. What was that like for you? The value that that you kind of showed me and started fostering me is that too many people, I think, they look for position and they go, well, I've got 15 years, 20 years, 30 years of experience doing whatever it is, right? Of course, you must hire me. And that's that's sort of the vibe that they portray to employers. And yeah, I'm not dismissing that, but you, for all intents and purposes, you could have been drinking coffee and doing nothing for 30 years, right? <laughs> what specifically about that was was useful, and how does that help the next employer? In a roundabout what I'm, way, it was what I'm saying is you help me sort of see, hey, what value could you bring to your yeah. next employer? And on yeah. top of that, you have to break it down very, very low level. And I think I, I really did not expect it. So I think the conversations with you, sort of our, our mock interviews, everything we went through, it kind of dawned on me as like, you know, we assume things. We assume that if you tell someone you've got 17 years in something, they know what that means. But they don't. They have no. Yeah. They may have no clue. Especially now, I know this environment. I'm like, no, they, they, they had a pretty good idea, but they didn't know specifically. Again, I could have been. I could have known something completely different than what they thought. Right. Yeah. So, just years of experience in a field doesn't necessarily equate to mastery or exactly what they need. Right. So, I think your conversations with me it taught me to also maybe suss out from them. Hey, what are the specific issues you're having? that maybe I can help. And here's how I would resolve them for you. Right. Yeah. And so it kind of flips the script a little bit because, right. Cause traditionally employers are asking you a million questions, right. They're vetting you yeah. and you're flipping it back on them and saying, well, hold on now, instead of all this vetting, why don't we just go to real world examples? Do you have an issue I can help with right away? Like, what is it you need me for? You know, give a specific example. Sometimes employers don't want to do that. They have reasons, you know, but a lot of times go, oh, well, uh, you know, I have, we, we, we ran into this problem. How, how would you deal with it? Yeah. And that's your time to shine. Yeah. And uh, so you, you know, became I, like a salesperson, which is yeah. a lot of times people struggle with because, yeah. you know, they go into my job description or my role responsibility from before. So 
that was pretty awesome. Yeah. So um, that's great that you were able to navigate that and realize your potential to be yeah. able to sell yourself. So, well, I, I, I think it's selling yourself and it's drawing the connection very viscerally between what you've done, how you resolve problems already, and how that can help your next employer. It's it's bridging that very, yeah. very, very, very discreet. Like you, you have to be like, pretend they're deliberately trying not to see that bridge. You have to just point that bridge explicitly as possible yeah. to say, hey, oh, you have a problem? This is how I fixed the same problem with this employer. This is the ways I did it. I think yeah. I can do the same for you. It saved money. It made money or it improved efficiency. Those are the three yeah. things employers are looking for. Yeah. And so I think our conversations really kind of drilled that into me and got me kind of ready for that when we had those conversations. Before we close this out, I would just like to ask you um, one line. What is your, what's your vision for you and your family and your career within the next year? Well, within the next year, I'd at least like to start maybe uh, doing some coursework, maybe another certification or two. That's on the person development side. So you're on always the learning. You're trying always to, learning. Well, well, it's a new, yeah. it's a new promise I sort of made myself. I mean, That's it was a little good. tough because I had to drop it all to make the move and the start, yeah. but I don't want to lose that momentum because I'm like, yeah. you know, it, it really made me step it up. It really made me push through, maybe lose some sleep. For a greater goal, right? Because it's, it's not it, your newborn, it's not your six month old baby boy that's making you. Lose yeah, well, yeah, a little bit of that too, but yeah, <laughs> no, so, but, uh, but, but, but yeah, no, well, for his sake, right? It's yeah. like, well, you know, how again, it goes back to what I said at the beginning there is, is how do you make more money or, or improve things yourself? You bring more value. Well, how do you do yeah. that? You learn more things, you get more capabilities, you, yeah. you, you, you know, and I think people, people do tend to forget that they get sort of an entitled attitude and say, well, you owe me these things. You know, I've got 15 years, I've been doing this so long, and I'm the only one that knows this. You owe me. And it's like, no, 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 you're looking at this backwards. Here's the value I can provide me. You know, um, it could be a little selfish say, well, here's the value I can provide you. If you don't see the value in it, that's fine. I'll go somewhere that does. That's correct. Okay. That's a fair, that's a fair way to present it. In terms of success, though, get back to that question. So, you know, continuing the learning, continuing the personal development. Um, continuing to master these different disciplines here, continuing to learn about it and bring value. Um, I laid out this plan. It's in iterations. If I can accomplish even one or two of those iterations, I think that's a victory. Um, it's probably not as fast as I would like, but at least it shows something concrete. And if I can bring value to these different departments and help them in their specific journeys to get to a final goal, then that's, to me, that's success, right? It's like, well, here's something very concrete I was able to contribute, right? You can see it. If I wasn't here to have done that, this wouldn't have occurred. So for me, that's, 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 you know, it's like building something. Okay. Now you yeah. have something to look at and see, you know, even if, even if I didn't do it all physically myself, I felt like I helped steer it, you know? Yeah. And certainly if blue wants to recognize that in some way, I, that would be a great victory, a success for me. I I'm not counting on it. I'm not expecting it, but you know, it'd be nice. And uh, yeah, success is just sort of, uh, uh, you know, getting this new routine down and, and, you know, sort of maybe, maybe exploring some of these hobbies that I put off for so long, you know, um, I've got a, one. a, a keyboard. One. well, I started, you know, I took keyboard way back in high school and I'm pointing at it because it's over here on the side. And, uh, I, I started trying to come back to it at my last employer. It, things were just too hectic. So I couldn't stick with it. And at some point I also bought a halfway decent electric guitar that I, I picked up a few times and, and started trying to learn. So, 
the key is consistency. And I'm like, well, maybe with this new, with this new employer with, with some, you know, not quite the level of responsibility. I'll have the time to do these things. Maybe. Oh, we'll have so, to have you back and play something for us. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? That's actually a good challenge, right? It'll actually make me commit. Right. And, that's right. That's right. I'll hold it, you so. accountable. Like okay. I've done in the past, Joe, it has been such a pleasure. You are an inspiration and I know your story will hopefully spark others who are considering taking those steps to follow their dream. Because I think that when you landed that, I know you had a little imposter syndrome because you're like, I'm never going to get this. This is not, this is so out of my league. And then you kept getting interview after interview. So it was just really amazing. And the fact that your father um, was there to see that acceptance is just, that was the cherry on the top of the, of the Sunday for sure. So um, yeah, yeah. So I I congratulate you for pursuing your dream and and living it now. So oh, well, thanks, Michelle. And I yeah. I couldn't have done it without you. I, I do appreciate your help. I definitely enjoyed the time. I feel like you're part of our our family now. Absolutely. And uh, you know, definitely uh, <laughs> anyone listening to this, I highly suggest their services. So you know, if you're if you're thinking about making a switch, you're not quite there yet. Give her a buzz. You know, talk. You know talk to Michelle, you know, get, get some facts and, and things. And she'll certainly help you on your journey. She helped me with mine, certainly had the resources, certainly had the knowledge and know-how. So I wouldn't even think about it. It's, and the other thing is if you're even having doubts, that probably should tell you something, right? I mean, Michelle, that's been your experience, right? If people are having yeah. doubts. There's something fundamental there. You know, yeah. I think generally people that are very happy in their roles, it doesn't even cross their mind. That's right. That's right. So I think that uh, that's a key thing to kind of remember. If you're watching this and listening to this or, you know, having this interaction, it's like, well, maybe you should. Maybe you should explore maybe. what it's going to take. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Joe. It's yep. always a pleasure talking yeah. to you and, and hearing about your story. All the best to you. And I know we'll stay in touch. Absolutely. Well, thank you. All Michelle. right. Be well. Tune in next week. Thank you for listening to Heart Inspired. I'm your host, Michelle Delgado. And don't forget to lean in, be heard, and be inspired. This podcast was created by Heartmetrics Consulting, editing and co-produced by David Castle Productions, and co-distributed by Business Travel 360. For more information about Heartmetrics Consulting, visit us at heartmetrics.com.